Good morning. morning. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad you're here. Um, We are um, starting a a new series that we're going to be in for five weeks where we are looking at really something that we are going to try to press into um, for maybe the entire year of 2024. Uh, So this is like heads up on what's coming, and you can decide if you still want to go to church here or not next year, um, and, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll see where we, uh, where we uh, shake out from there. Um, but here, here's the deal. Uh, at least since the Enlightenment, you know, a couple hundred years ago, um, the focus of what it means to be a follower of Jesus has primarily been around beliefs and ideas, has primarily been around what you say you believe on some sort of like theology test. Um, Did Jesus rise from the grave? Yes, no. Um, Virgin birth? Yes, no. Uh, How do you believe people are are saved? By faith or or by um, you being good enough? Yes, no. You know, that kind of stuff. And and really, um, there's, we, we have to know what we believe. I mean, that's like not really an option because we all believe things, whether we've teased them out and understand them well or not. Uh, But that falls short of really what Jesus called us to in the first place. And uh, there's been kind of a a um, re-emergence of that understanding in uh, in our part of the world, especially among this younger generation that's coming up, that's, that's saying Christianity is not something you just believe, because Jesus said it wasn't. It's something we do. It's something that we live out. It's something that we put our hands to and our bodies Two, you know, when he famously gathers his disciples together, uh, he's about to head out of town and go back to be with the Father. And when I say in town, I, that's metaphorical. I mean, leaving the earth to go back to heaven. Um, he says, I want you to go into the entire world and make disciples, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, baptizing them. Uh, so the, the question is, is how do we do that? Because especially since Christendom and and then the Enlightenment, our primary strategy has been to kind of assume that most people that were around are sort of already Christian-ish, at least. And that maybe our our best attempt to obey Jesus' command, obey his command, not, not something optional, not something we get to one day, obey his command to make disciples of others is to like, is to bring them into a church building which is not bad, and many of you, I'm betting, have started your journey of discipleship to Jesus that way, by someone inviting you into a church. Maybe, maybe it was your, your parents or your grandparents. Maybe it was some friends. Maybe it was a neighbor down the road when you were going through a rough time. But as the world continually shifts away from this default Christendom idea of everyone's kind of like default Christian or close enough, that strategy just isn't going to cut Um, cut it, and doesn't hold water around most of the world. And the places where the gospel of Jesus is transforming lives, no one is waiting for people to show up at their door because they're obeying Jesus. Now, one of the challenges with that, of this going, is the truth is, is we're pretty ill-equipped to do that. Um, I'm betting someone in here, their anxiety is up a little bit right now just even talking about it. And for example, we kind of uh, internally have talked about the Christian life in like four big 
buckets. Um, and uh, a few weeks ago, we took our spiritual growth survey that's helpful for us to take a look at our, our congregation and see where do you need help? Where are we strong? Where do we need um, some equipping and some teaching and some growth and some encouragement? And, uh, and those um, four big buckets, real quick, go kind of like our life with God, like an internal, hold it, not yet, hold it, our, <laughs> our internal sense of, of his presence and intimacy, um, commu- um, spiritual practices, how are we engaging in that ourselves, like what are we doing with our lives, community, how are we sharing our lives with others, especially other believers, and lastly, mission, how do we respond to the Holy Spirit and live as everyday missionaries into the life that he sends us to? Now, we, we just simply ask that, for example, in five categories. Like, I have grown a lot this year. I've grown some this year. I haven't grown this year. I've moved backwards. I've moved way back. And, uh, and just to, if we were to group together the two, I've grown. Either I've grown a lot or I've, I've grown at least some. I um, just want to show you kind of how that panned out for us this, uh, like this year. Um, not surprising. So our life with God. Uh, we would say, uh, you said that about 60% of us are growing in your life with God. And do you feel close to him? Do you, do you desire God? Is your intimacy with God, your relationship with him, is it growing? And 60% of you all said that has grown uh, at least some, maybe even a lot. And that's pretty awesome. That means that you are moving towards the heart of the Father. That is a big deal. Um, spiritual practices, how are you uh, engaging with, with God, whether that's through reading the Bible or prayer or um, fasting or self-denial or worship or whatever. Um, we said about 50% of us are growing right now, which is actually pretty fantastic. That's pretty strong, um, pretty strong. Community, uh, how are we engaging with community? Um, a little less than that, uh, about 37 and a half percent of this church said they are growing in their community. So maybe that's something that we could give some attention to. That's not um, hard to imagine that that's maybe a weaker area for us in a world that is super busy, in a world where we tend to be pretty isolated, um, in a world where relationships can be hard to build. So 37, 38 percent of people saying, I have grown. Maybe there's an area there. But the, the area of mission of sharing Jesus with others, of living as an everyday missionary, of knowing that God is with you and sending you into every day, whatever you do and wherever you go, you are there to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, That came out, about 27.5% of us said we're growing in that. Uh, And and 64% said we're stuck. Said we're stuck. So I, I imagine that's not news to you. You're probably going, yeah, that sounds about right. Right? And that sounds about right to me, uh, because really, we haven't done a great job, both as the broader um, American church or evangelical church, or as uh, this church locally, in equipping people to live as everyday missionaries in the world, to obey the teaching of Jesus, that Christianity is not just something we believe or enjoy, It's not even just something that we engage with in our spiritual practices or even share in our community, but that there is a world that is in need of redemption. 
And so how, how can we grow in that? And so one of the things that's helpful for us um, as a leadership team in that is going, okay, so that is a place that we need to lead and grow our people in a helpful and responsible way so that we can obey Jesus who we say we follow. That can be kind of hard though, because like you think about sharing Jesus with others, there's this terrifying word that comes up in many people's minds that grew up inside the church. And that word is evangelism. Did anybody, anybody grow up in a church where your experience with evangelism makes your stomach kind of go, do you know what I'm talking about? So I I did this just a little bit in my church, not much, but like um, some people, it was pretty on, uh, on, like on 10, like there's a guy in our, on our staff and like his church would train people. They would train their students. Um, They would go to Six Flags and they would get in long lines And the idea is you have got people trapped (laughs) while you're waiting in line for the Batman, right? You know what I mean? And, and And your hope is before they get on the ride, you are going to pester them or engage them in some conversation where they are going to give their lives to Jesus in between churros and throwing up the churro on the Batman. And like, is that what Jesus meant? Is that what he meant? I know people had good hearts with that. I know, I, and, and why, does that, why does that conversation usually start with the phrase, if you died tonight? <laughs> Do we ever start conversations that way? You want to, ra- like, that is, that is a great recipe to have someone never want to see you again. <laughs> if you died tonight, do you know something I don't know? <laughs> you know? And here's, so that's not really, I don't, good intentions there. I don't think that's really what we're talking about because all of that is kind of about us, really. It's about us being able to do what we're supposed to do to maybe convert someone so that they believe what we want them to believe. I don't know, that just feels kind of unintentionally about us. Yeah. There's this other thing that I probably spent most of my life in and kind of been in a reaction against that, which is where we just don't do anything. We just don't do anything. And there's like, there's this sweet idea of, of like friendship evangelism where, where there, you have friends that need Jesus, which is true. They need the healing of Jesus. They need the presence of Jesus. And your job is to not say a darn thing, but just to like live really great in front of them and, and be a happy um, you know, faithful person. And then one day when they're going through some sort of like emotional or mental crisis, they will call you and say, what do you have that I don't have? I, I was at a Waffle House once. It was at night because you never go to Waffle House during the day. Who goes to Waffle House during the day? It was, it was at night. It was in college. And we were in this little booth um, and it was my friends and I after a worship service. And uh, our worship services went long. I mean, two hours, three hours, four hours, not uncommon for us. And, uh, and, and then, you know, we went to Waffle House and ingested 4,000 calories. And, and we were there and we were talking about Jesus. We were excited about it. And there was a guy sitting in the booth behind us. And he turned around and he said, can you tell me about Jesus? And the future pastor, deeply involved ministry person that I am, froze. <laughs> what? 
Luckily, my friend Arash was with me and turned around and was able to talk about Jesus. But how often does that happen? That somebody breaks their comfort to take the initiative to talk to someone that they think might know something. And so maybe in our world in the last few decades, we have these extremes of there's this like oversimplified formulaic thing that kind of makes that person a project. Ich. And then there's this thing where we kind of just don't do much, except maybe invite them to church. And then there's a professional, someone on a stage with a microphone, and he knows what to say or she knows what to say, and we're going to hope that that kind of does it. Um, you know, and we've been growing, I think, as a church, creating Alpha as a space has been a good thing to invite people to. Um, really beautiful, dozens and dozens of people that, um, that we've seen come to know Jesus. Um, hundreds encounter him and hear about him in a fresh way. But how do we, how do we live as an everyday missionary where the Holy Spirit is living in your heart and sending you into every day to repair a broken world because the world's been broken a long time and most people out there need to know that there is a God that is on their side, that cares for them, that died for them, that is pursuing them, that wants to heal them and be with them through everything. So how do we do that? Maybe a place to start is to look at where God goes, how God engages somebody when he begins his rescue plan for the world. Right? The world has been deeply broken by our first parents. Kind of slate sort of wiped clean with a flood. And then there's this world that needs repair. And God goes on this rescue mission to restore the world and he starts with an individual. And it's interesting, in, in Genesis 12, a man who will be called Abraham, now called Abram, um, God says something to him. And I want you to listen. What seems to be the, the word or the variation of the word that comes up the most here? The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What was the word? Bless. To bless or to be a blessing. That when God calls this individual to start his rescue plan for the entire world that will lead all the way to Jesus, to the early church, and to you sitting here today, when he starts that turn in history, he does it around a conversation of being a blessing. He says that your name will be a blessing. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That when God starts this, this is not a conversation about bad news first. About, did you know that you're in trouble? This conversation starts with, I am here to be a blessing to you. The, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that we translate blessing is barak. In the, in the New Testament, it's eulogia. Um, and it, it kind of plays out like this. In, in Hebrew, barak um, means to give praise or to give thanks or to bring 
peace. I was also, I was on a, I was on a plane to Israel sitting next to a 15-year-old, and his name was Barak. And he, I loved it. He, he was telling me that his name means a light in the rain or lightning. And it also means blessing. And long before I, you know, we had a, we had a president that name, with that, with that name, there was this young boy telling me that his name means to be a light in the rain or to be a blessing. To be, to be praised for, for others. Um, eulogia, you is good. Logia is word. It is a good word, a blessing, praise. You may be familiar with the Latin phrase, benediction is the word there. Bene, good, diction, word. That when you show up in someone's life, that is a good word. That when someone encounters somebody who is on the mission that God has sent them on, that that results in praise and thanksgiving and peace. That when God wants to put a world back together, he gets a group of people and he says, I want you to live in such a way that when you show up, people result in praise and thanksgiving and peace, that you are a blessing to them. You're like a light in the rain. Now that is something that I could get on board with. Because that's, that's, to, that's totally different. That's not about knowing the right stuff. That's not about being able to say the right things all the time. That's not about you know, rocket science or being able to have answers. That's about a way of living that becomes a blessing to everyone around you. That apparently is how God wants to put a world back together when he starts with people. And as a leadership team, we've actually been talking about um, leaning into this for quite some time. And we're looking around for a resource that would help us um, because most of the resources out there kind of tend towards this like overly formulaic, simplistic thing that doesn't seem to result in much discipleship, in my opinion. Or this other kind of like, you don't really do much. You kind of just hang out and be a good person and maybe invite people to church. And ah, that didn't seem to, didn't seem to work. Um, then uh, somebody um, suggested uh, a book written by a pastor named Dave Ferguson, who looks remarkably like Edward Norton. Just, it's kind of, if Edward Norton had a goatee, he would look like Dave Ferguson. Um, Dave is in Chicago, leads um, not just a church, but like a network of churches and micro churches, big churches, small churches, churches that meet in homes. And uh, anyway, he wrote a book um, called Bless. And, uh, you know, a little subtitle, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. Um, okay, now let me, let me, let you into my heart and how I am not a good person. Are you ready to find out that I'm not a good person? I thought I was too cool for this. Do you know why? Because it has periods after each letter, and that means we're going to have an acronym. And I grew up in the, anybody other than 90s kids? 90s kids? Everything was an acronym. Every, the D.A.R.E. program, there was an acronym. If you wanted to learn something in church, there was an acronym. If they wanted to teach you first aid, there was some completely unmemorable acronym. You know, they're like, if someone's choking on a golf ball, just run up and remember platypus. Platypus. <laughs> you're like, what? what am I? You're going to check their pulse. You're going to check their liver enzymes. <laughs> you're going to uh, attack the problem. You're going to... See if they have testosterone that's low. You're going <laughs> to. And, and I, I just, I have, uh, you know, I just, I feel like surely I'm cooler than that. And um, the problem, problem is, is that A, I'm not. Um, and B, this is actually really good. This is really good. 
and how he was able to boil down, hey, this is not, this is, the problem here isn't getting our heads around it. The problem is living into it, right? And, uh, and he talks about how can we be a blessing to the world in a way that results in people becoming disciples of Jesus and at least knowing that God loves them. And so just, just to, this is what we're going to walk through for a while to try to equip us as a church. And we're not leaving this anytime. This isn't done at the end of the sermon series. We're going to try to press into this pretty much for probably the whole year of 2024 um, because change takes time. Culture change takes time. People change slowly. Um, and so we're just going to kind of keep tapping the accelerator, you know, on this from time to time. Like, have you ever been in a car um, with someone that like only knows how to push on the accelerator super hard? You're like, right? That makes me want to get out of the car, you know, unless I'm driving. And, and so we want to find ways just to kind of keep tapping the accelerator like you do when you're trying to drive smooth so that we can keep moving and help us as a church to be a blessing to the community around us. So here you go. Here's our acronym we're going to be walking through. B, begin with prayer. L, we're going to listen. We're going to listen to people. Take time to hear them, to ask good questions. Three is my favorite. We're going to eat with people. How many people, your interest in this sermon series just went up? (laughs) Jesus did a lot of eating with people. S, we're going to serve people. We're going to serve them. We're going to find ways to love them practically. The last one is kind of maybe where the rubber meets the road. We're going to share our story. We're going to share our story. Now, I think it's worth pointing out that he totally had to jam in the first one and to begin with prayer because PLESS just doesn't work as an acronym, (laughs) right? Um, But it would be like pray, listen, eat, serve story. Uh, But he needed needed it to fit, so he went with begin with prayer, which is totally fine. Now listen, again, none of that's rocket science or brain surgery or rocket surgery or brain science or whatever. Um. But here's the thing, this isn't about how do we convert people. It's about how are we a blessing to people. There's a world, you know people that need Jesus. And, and just, Jesus, it's interesting, the Son of God, when he comes, he comes to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to the world. The world, they have thousands of people show up to get around him. People that were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. Why? Why? You know, how did, how did he do that? And then his disciples, the same. You know, when he begins a season of ministry, it's interesting, like if we look in, uh, in Luke chapter 6. This is before like a, like a push for ministry in, in Luke 6. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. He chose 12 of them, whom he designated apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Then he went down with them and stood at a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there, And a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre 
in Sidon. And he goes into this season of healing diseases, of telling people about Jesus, about caring for them. But even Jesus himself starts with prayer. He goes away to be with the Father first. Because none of us work on our own power. We don't work on our own steam. We see that the most clearly in the cross. We can't make a way back to God ourselves. We receive from him. Even when he calls Abraham, the first thing he says is, I will bless you. Then you will be a blessing. Your name will be a blessing. But it starts with the Father pouring into our hearts. And so when we start with prayer and we say, God, I want to be a blessing to the world. I want to be a blessing to those around whoever you send me to. It starts with coming to the Father and saying, God, help me. Help me, I need your help. Show me how to pray for that person. Jesus does this over and over and over again. Here's a small list of the places that he does this only in the Gospel of Luke, um, beginning with his baptism. And it kind of goes through this cycle in the book of Luke, where every couple of chapters we see, he takes time to say Jesus retreats to be with the Father. He retreats to be with the Father. Now, everything is under his power. He's the Son of God. Everything is under his power. Everything is under his authority. But he is there to bring you and I before a God that loves them. And so maybe, maybe it's, just, it's just worth asking, who do you know that needs to know Jesus? And how can you, how can you pray for them? Maybe there's, maybe there's simple things of like, if you were to like tic-tac-toe, draw a tic-tac-toe board in your mind, and if you're in the middle, who are the people that live around you in your dorm room or your apartment building or your neighborhood or whatever? Like, do you know their names? Or do you, do you have some description of them in your mind? And maybe, just, just as an idea, what would, what would God put on your heart to pray for them? Maybe you, you realize that, that woman, when every time her, grandparent, her grandkids come to visit, it's just the mom that's with them. So there's, there's a story there. How could we pray for those grandkids and for that mom and for those grandparents? Maybe it's, the, it's that person at work that, that always makes the joke when a challenging conversation comes up and kind of deflects, and maybe there's something there. Can you, can you pray for him? Can you pray for God, whatever that is, help me pray for him. Maybe it's someone you share a tube of toothpaste with, and you know that they are far from God and that they need to know that there is a God that loves them, that pursues them, that died for them, that wants to heal them, that wants to be with them for forever. And so you have little ways of praying for them. Maybe it's in a little journal or on a post-it note. I find that a lot of times my prayers start with things that are incredibly simple. Incredibly simple. Maybe, maybe you don't know where to start, and so a really good prayer is, show me, God. Show me, God. Now, as I go to play softball today, show me, God. As I go walking with my friends today, show me, God. As I go sit in this cafe today, show me, God. Show me, who can I pray for? Is it the person on the other side of the counter? Who do you want me to bless today? Is it the person behind me in line? Is it the lady coming down like the, uh, the dismissal line for elementary school and she's checking everybody's name to make sure the kid gets to the right car? Is that the person you want me to bless? Show me, God. Maybe that's followed with use me, God. 
You feel like you've got like four to eight people on your mind right now? Use me, God. Use me, God. And this isn't something that happens overnight, at least not for me. This is, this is maybe something that we could live into for, for week after week and month after month. And maybe this could be a part of our culture that we are a praying people and something you can share with the, with the Christians in your life is, this is who I'm praying for because I want to be a blessing to them. I want to be a blessing to them. Here, here's, you may be successful, but you may not know how to be a blessing. You may have a lot of friends, you may have a great family, but you don't know how to be a gift to the world. Maybe you don't feel very smart, but you can bring peace to people. Maybe you don't feel like your life is going anywhere, but you can offer Jesus to a broken world. You are made to be a gift to a world that is in deep need. We get to be a blessing. What would, what would our legacy as a church be that wasn't about our size or how great the music is or how much someone learned here? All that is great. But what if our legacy is that everyone around us and in our town was blessed and came to know Jesus because our people knew how to live like a blessing to the world? What happens then? I mean, that, that's like... That's like exponential change. That's stories like we saw in the book of Acts and in the early church. That's like what we're seeing right now in the global south where Christianity is exploding. It doesn't have anything to do much with like getting people inside. It has to do with sending out people that desire to be a gift to the world like Jesus because we want to be a part of what he's doing in the world. So maybe begin with prayer. Show me, God, show me. Use me, God, use me. Who would he put on your heart? Let's, let's pray now. Jesus, you began with prayer. And God, forgive us for either being too timid or uninterested in being a blessing to others. Or maybe trying to share you in ways that don't honor that other person. But Jesus, help us to live like you did. Where you, you were a gift. You are a good word. You brought peace. You were like a light in the rain to a world that needed you. Right now, maybe, would you, would you let the Lord bring, bring someone to mind, if he would? Maybe this isn't that moment for you, but if he brings someone to mind, write it down. Put it in your phone Write it on something. Keep it. He's giving you one of his children so that you can be a gift to them. Show us, Lord. Jesus, as we come to your table today, Remind us that there's room for others. And that we can bring people 
to the table because your Holy Spirit is working in us and through us to heal a world that needs to know the God of the cross. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're so glad you tuned in today. If you liked this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. If you're curious about LaCroix or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We hope to see you again soon.